Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out yet another Woke and Baked. And today, my guest is Curtis Dunham. Curtis is a friend of mine. He's also a guy that I did jujitsu with at 5 o'clock in the morning for like months until the COVID hit. And then we couldn't do jujitsu at 5 o'clock in the morning, which is kind of a bummer, especially if you like doing jujitsu at 5 o'clock in the morning. I think it's a great way to start your day. I think it's better than coffee, and it's lots of fun trying to kill your best friends, right? Because you don't really know whether or not someone is a good friend until they try to choke you and they let go when you say, I'm done, I'm good, I don't need this in my life anymore at this particular moment, and then you fist bump and then you go right back to killing yourselves. However, if you are interested in uh, learning to kill somebody with your bare hands, or you just want to get yourself into a better state of shape, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu is currently open at All-American Training Center in lovely Soldatna on the Kenai Spur Highway. Um, yeah, check it out. 10th Planet Soldatna. By the way, if you are hearing a bumping or anything like that, that is my big-ass dog laying down next to the table while I am recording this intro. And because I love my dog, I'm not going to shove him away and say, bad dog, no, no, he's having fun. I'm, I'm rubbing his face while I'm doing this, loving on my dog, loving on you, loving on life. All right, that is 10th Planet Soul Dotna at All-American Training Center. All right, before we go into more about my guest, his name is Curtis Dunham. We've already been over that. He is a dealer of Bitcoin. We've already been over that. Um, and this is just kind of a rehashing of our previous conversation, plus answering some questions that you fine folks have had regarding Bitcoin, regarding cryptocurrency in all of its uh, gloriosity. There's a lot of shit out there. There's a lot of sugar. And that's war again bumping into tables because he's a big dumbass. He's like a hundred and something pounds and so when he knocks into a table it's felt by everyone in the room. And if you're in your car and you've got a great tuned stereo, shout out to the uh, the 49th State Audio Addicts, that probably sounded like an earthquake. Don't worry, it wasn't an earthquake. Unless it was, in which case, sorry for all of the confusion. Alright, so solid shout outs who are supporters. Dun da 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 Iron Asylum, located at 35165 KB Drive, behind Save You More. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook, as well as their website, theironasylumgymak.com. The gym is open 24 hours a day. Personally, I like going in the morning when I'm up early enough, but it's summer in Alaska, so pretty much all day is morning. All right, call 907-953-4720 for more information. Honestly, it's one of my favorite places to go. And if you are looking for a place to go that is open at 3 o'clock in the mornings where you can flex your biceps, that is a place where you can go and get some strength in your biceps, curls for the girls, and all that good stuff. All right? That number again, 907-953-4720. Also, Red Run Cannabis Company, located on the Kenai Spur Highway. They are the growers of fine cannabis, the brewmeisters of Hashade, Strawberry Hashade, and Blueberry Hashade. Right now, Blueberry is my personal favorite. They also make can of caps, honey sticks, and peanut butter, which is purchased farm direct. And it's organic peanut butter. It's good stuff. All right, they carry flour and concentrates as well as uh, decarb oil and cartridges. So if you like THC cartridges, they've got a bunch of them. And because Red Run has their own manufacturing facility, nobody 
can beat their prices. All right, they also stock edibles from Lady Grey and Creative Confections. They stop all. Oh, they stop. They stock Alaskan-made Frontier CBD. So be sure to ask your bud tender for any suggestions they've got. Be sure to check out their website, RedRunCannabisCompany.com, for more information as well as weed maps for their current menu. Hashade is available at fine dispensaries throughout the great state of Alaska. That's Ward, by the way. That's Ward pawing at the microphone. He's jealous. All right, 5150 Vapes, located in the heart of Soldatna. They are your home for American-made CBD vape products with over 240 flavors of juice to choose from. They have coils, mods, and pretty much anything you could possibly want and or need for vaping. The aforementioned 10th Planet Soldatna, located inside of All-American Training Center. Classes start at 7 p.m. Kids' classes run concurrent to adults and run to about 8.30 or 9 p.m. Adult classes are taught by 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt Curtis Hembroff, and kids' classes are taught by 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu Purple Belt Priscilla Hembroff. They're like, like a tag team like a married couple that have a vision that have a joint vision and they are doing it together all right also ak-49 martial arts slash bang muay thai located in the peninsula center mall kids bmt starts at five adults class starts at six coaches include bmt brown belt seth stacy as well as the afc's 135 pound champion Victor Rodriguez. For more information, including their current schedule, check out AK-49 Martial Arts on Facebook and at AK-49 Martial Arts on Instagram. All right. Now, some of you might have been asking what I am watching on the streaming services. I am currently watching Cursed on Netflix, written by Frank Miller, who wrote and co-directed Sin City, the 300 comic books, and the film, and RoboCop 3. All right, the show stars Gustav Skarsgård. He, uh, you may know him, actually, as Floki from Vikings. And he plays Merlin the Magician in a modern retelling of the legend of Arthur. Critics seem to have forgotten that the film is written and produced by Miller, a man who is best known for graphic novels and comic books. If you're looking for a way to kill 12 hours while you're stuck at the house due to an overwhelming sense of existential dread, this might be the series for you. The series is basically a 1,500-year-old version of Star Wars with Floki as Obi-Wan. Hope you think it's worth your time. I certainly think it's worth your time. Uh, of course, I am not the manager of your time, so what do I actually know? Not a lot. All right, folks, thanks for checking out Woken Baked, and yeah, have a great day. Enjoy the podcast. Let me know what you think. If you have any questions or if you have any guests that you'd like to have on the show, by all means, send me a message on the Instagram. You can find me at Woken Baked Podcast on Instagram. You can also email me at Woken Baked Podcast at gmail.com. All right, folks, have a great day. Kick today right in its ass, its caboose, its hind end, uh, any of that good stuff.
draw. Pretty good. good. So, um, normally we, we head over to Coffee Express uh, for our coffee before we get started. And the last couple of times we've done it, they've been closed, so we've got to drive around to like find different places. Went to Dry Bones. Dry Bones was closed one time. We had to go to uh, um, what was that? Um, Java Junction Two. Java Junction Two. The sequel. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's better than the original, but it's different. Yeah, Coffee Express is the well, like specifically the one next to the car wash. Yeah. Is. Like Elise is a coffee snob yeah. and a wine snob, but she works by the will now be Copper Center, the Red Diamond Center, yeah. where there's a fucking coffee shop right there. Yeah. But every morning she drives to Kenai, gets her coffee there, and then goes to work in the same. I'm just not that picky. No, no. Um, I like small town roasters. Yeah. But that's a weird strip to have a, a coffee shop on because there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. There's legitimately yep. one. Yeah, like, just opened one up there, the brew, which they have. I don't know if you had their coffee milkshakes. They do. Yes, the, with the cold brew. Yeah, it's delicious. Yeah, they actually follow me now on Instagram, so I'll have to tag them when this one goes up. Oh, you should. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Chris so, threw one out for you, Deb. Yeah, Deb. Um, gotta move that chair a wee bit. Um, yeah, I like their uh, their milkshake of the month because um, I'm essentially a 12 year old. When it comes to like what I eat, like I, I make some gourmet mac and cheese, but it's still mac and cheese. Um, but I like their milkshakes, man. Like I take my daughter to get one. I wasn't a big fan of the one this month, the um, cotton candy milkshake. Mm-hmm. No, um, that sounds terrible. It, it, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. However, like they did a s'mores one like a month before, and it was like this is magical. You know, like it was it was worth the um, the tingling that I got in my feet afterwards. See, I wish they were open late because that'd be an awesome after jujitsu, wouldn't it? So, speaking of after jujitsu, also not open very late, I think, is um, lift and sip again on that same strip. They've got post-workout uh, coffees, but not at nine o'clock at night. Not at nine o'clock at night now. Yeah. Even in the summer, which seems like if there's a time to be open till nine o'clock, yeah, it's uh, it would be the summer in Alaska. Um, it seems like if you're a coffee shop that's open at nine o'clock uh, in the in, at night uh, during the summer in Alaska, you could clean up. I would imagine I would go through a lift and sip or get myself something at nine o'clock after jujitsu. Yeah, in fact, they should have one open specifically for people that do jujitsu. You know, actually, Pete should open up a coffee shop in there for us. Where are you with this, Pete? Yeah, where are you? I'll have to ask him. Yeah. Sounds like a perfect opportunity. There's some extra counter space in there for a, a mocha chona bullshit uh, coffee infused. Right Push there. the button, it just shits out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just have a machine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah why not? You, just, like a, you put a $5 bill in it and it spits you out a protein infused uh, ice cream mocha. Yeah, why not? Why not? I'll bet you there's a thing. There is a thing. Which is not why we're here today, although we can talk about jujitsu. Uh, all day long. We can talk about 10th Planet at an a, a All-American Training Center. Uh, classes start at 7. Um, classes, well, I guess it's the drilling starts at 7, or warm-up start at 7, and the classes start at around 7.30, so the folks are, they're leaving uh, AK-49 or Redemption. They could come over and train yeah. afterwards. So 
Um, we could we could absolutely do that. In fact, we could actually talk about the supporters of the podcast before we actually get to what we're talking about with, with uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. So, uh, solid shout out to Iron Asylum, located behind Save You More, not in the same building, but close to, uh, on KB Drive, not K Beach Drive. Um, uh, three something or other, I can't tell you the address. Uh, in fact, I should probably I should probably wait and just redo the intro a little bit later so I can give you all the proper information. However, they are open 24 hours a day. You can check them out on the World Wide Web at theironasylumgymak.com. You can also find them on Instagram and Facebook. All right, they're again open 24 hours a day. They've got some badass equipment. They've got a whole cardio row. They've got the best machines um, known to man. Um, and uh, did I mention they're open 24 hours a day? You did. Okay. Well, if I didn't, then they're open 24 hours a day. Every day. Every day. And twice on Christmas. So vote early and vote often. Yeah. And Red Run Cannabis Company, located on the Kenai Spur Highway. Um, they have they grow their own. Uh, they sell their own. They also sell other people's flour, which is very, very cool. Like uh, Folks like Bob's Morning Bear. They've got edibles from Lady Grey, Creative Confections, a whole list of other uh, edibles as well as hashade, their own hashade. They've got blueberry hashade, strawberry hashade. They've got a whole line of hashade. And if you want to get creative, get your hands on some, uh, maybe you get the uh, the Hefeweizen from um, Kenai River Brewery. Maybe you get yourself the Grateful Red and you mix it with uh, maybe either the strawberry or the blueberry. Maybe you go with the blueberry and you make your own sort of purple haze, but I think that's someone else's beer already, so you just have to call it a hazy shade of purple. But yeah, get creative, man, with that Kenai River Brewery. Get that, um, they've got a, a raspberry beer. You can mix it with uh, with your blueberry and have a whole berry concoction. Yeah, the, uh, what is that called? The Raz. Yeah. Something. Something Raz. Razzleberry Raz. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, they've got a whole bunch of different stuff that you can get, you can try, mix it with your hashade. It's all delicious, I guess. I don't know, I don't drink beer, so, you know, like I'm just gonna have to take my beer connoisseur's word for it um but i do like hashade so that's nice i got that going for me which by the way is available at all of the fine dispensaries in the great state of alaska if you're looking for uh for some hashade go to your uh go to your favorite cannabis retailer and demand it if they don't have it but chances are they have it otherwise they're not a good cannabis retailer move on move on move on to somebody that does and that loves you Loves you enough to get hashed. All right, we are here today with previous guest of the podcast, Curtis Dunham. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Bill. Very good, very good. We're going to talk today a little bit about Bitcoin, a little bit about blockchain, sort of the difference between that. Uh, we're going to talk about different, I guess they're not manufacturers of Bitcoin. I don't know what you would describe, because you don't have a printing press, you know, you just... Oh, you're talking about the miners? Yes. Yes. Okay, we can discuss that, yeah. Um, And some people had some very specific questions uh, to ask you, and so we're going to get to those as well. First off, um, what is cryptocurrency? Uh, I don't even like the word, so I like to start with that because cryptocurrency makes people think like um, we're doing something illegal here. There's going to like, it's got a... 
Like cryptozoology? Exactly. Um, no, like, so, like, I don't know if you remember way back in the 80s when cryptography for email started to be invented and the government tried to shut it down, right? That was, and now you can't do anything without, like, the web wouldn't work without cryptography. You couldn't log on to your bank account or anything like that. But in the beginning, the U.S. government was so afraid of um, these people crypto- having their securities. Yeah, yeah. That, that you could send a message on email encrypted and the government couldn't read it. They freaked out and tried to ban it. It didn't work, obviously, and great for good reason. But <clears throat> so to back up a little, so cryptocurrency is a, a very generic term that is now applied to this huge arena of different coins and tokens and stuff like that. Um, Bitcoin was the, the first and is still the largest and in my opinion will be, you know, continue on where most of these other ones are going to die off and have. You know, there's there's very few of them that have any staying power. You know, everybody comes up with the, oh, here, this is, you know, Bitcoin X or Bitcoin G or Bitcoin gold, you know, uh, Bitcoin cash, they're just one after another. And they're forks of Bitcoin. They just take the code and they march it off in a different direction, which instantly mints coins. And most of them are scams. Some have some legitimate purpose. They're, a lot of them are trying things like like Litecoin when it initially came out, which is another fork of Bitcoin. And they've used that for years as a test bed for Bitcoin. They'll try something. Like, so Bitcoin um, is constantly being developed on. It's open source. And the easiest way to explain how that, like people don't understand what open source code is. It means it's the, the code itself, you could download it and you can look at like every single one and zero on that code. There's no hidden source code in it. So you can have independent auditors verify, you know, that's how they find problems occasionally in in code like that. Like you couldn't down, you can't like Microsoft Word is not open source code. You can't download that and see all the tracking stuff that Microsoft puts in there. There's no way for you to do that, right? But with Bitcoin and a lot of cryptocurrencies, it is open source code. So you can you can have a computer programming um, engineering company download the and look through it and say, oh okay, there's there's nothing malicious in here, basically. But it allows people to find errors. And so there's a lot of people that work on the Bitcoin core. And uh, as just like last June was the latest update, right? the version 20 something we're on now. And so it's constantly, you know, the, it's never had a, a downtime in 11 years of running, which is another neat thing. Like everything else has always had a downtime, but Bitcoin has very quietly just continued to run without going down in 11 years, which is unheard of. And that's because it's decentralized, which is another big buzzword that all these cryptocurrency startups are throwing around, you know. And basically what that means is that there's not one server that's running this, that's owned by a company. In fact, there is no company called Bitcoin, right? There's there's nobody. It's, it's a huge collection of millions of what are called miners and people running full nodes. So you could download it right here on your laptop. You could download the Bitcoin software and run it on your laptop and you become part of the network at that point. And that's what keeps it running without a downtime is as long as you have just two people running the program, Bitcoin can continue, right? That's, that's why it doesn't have an outage or downtime. And that's how you cannot hack it um, is because 
if you were gonna try, you would have to hack millions of computers at the exact same second, and every 10 minutes that changes. So by the time you even came close to being able to pull this off, it changes 10 minutes later. You'd have to do start over. And so that's how it's run for 11 years. It's why um, you can't have governments shut it down. That's why some governments don't like it because I could send Bill $10 in Bitcoin and they can't stop that transaction. You know, they don't, they don't know what we're buying, don't know what we're doing, and they can't stop it. They can't roll it back like Visa. You know, they can, they can ask Visa, what did, what did Curtis just buy with his $10? Especially right now where they're, you know, pushing everybody right now to cash. Yeah, it's not a payment method ever again, right? Can't get coins all of a sudden. Fred Myers won't accept it. You know, now you're moving everybody to Visa and then the government can get that information right from Visa and Visa is very handy to, they, they don't mind giving that out all the time. With Bitcoin, there's A, no way for them to track it. And then B, even if they could, they cannot roll back that transaction. So if they wanted to come in and take the $10 I just gave, gave you, they could not do it. It's immutable. That's, that's another neat thing about the way Bitcoin works is once that transaction goes, there is no way to reverse it. And it's like when they talk about blockchain, um, that's another really big all-encompassing word. But what it really means is every 10 minutes, all the transactions that happen in, in Bitcoin are put into this block. And then once it's recorded on all those millions of computers, those nodes, you can't go backwards and edit it. It's it's part of the ledger at that point. There's no changing that, and it just kind of continues on and on. Every ten minutes, those blocks come out with all the transactions. There's no way to roll them back. So if you were to, you know, like let's just say I bought a dirt bike off you, and you thought you were gonna just walk away and then like stop payment on your check or reverse your your Visa transaction, you can't. So it's another. It's another neat way for you to not be able to worry about someone stealing your money. Like, transaction has happened, can't can't withdraw it, can't reverse it, and it's forever. So, how much security do you have with uh, Bitcoin? Uh, as versus other cryptocurrencies, or just well, um, let's see. <coughs> versus I don't know. Um, like if you lose your Bitcoin wallet, right? That money is gone. Well, it depends on how, so you technically like your Bitcoin wallet is, is digital. So it's a virtual wallet. So you can't necessarily lose it. Like, let's just say that you, you, um, like you got one on your phone. If when you first start your wallet, when you open up any Bitcoin wallet, there's, there's some that don't do this. And if the, if the one you're downloading does not use this, this method, then don't use that Bitcoin wallet. So if anybody out there, if you're right now gonna log on and like blockchain.org and download a wallet, that's a good one. But they're gonna ask you to write down a 12 to 24 word, what's called a seed phrase. So at that point, that's all you need. I mean, you could memorize it, you could put it in a safety deposit box, you could, there's lots of, there's a company called Crypto Steel that makes these little, titanium blocks that you put those words in kind of tedious takes you about half an hour but you put all these little letters in this thing and then it's fireproof even and so as long as you have those 12 to 24 words you've never lost your bitcoin wallet 
that, that's the best way to go. So when people talk about they got hacked, usually it's because they were sloppy in how they kept their Bitcoins. If someone steals your Bitcoins, it mostly is on you because you just didn't know what you were doing or you're just lazy about it. And it, it happens every now and then you'll have people that get hacked. Um, like two-factor, you'll hear about that a lot where there's a SIM swapping attack. And that's where someone calls up AT&T, pretends they're you, says they lost their phone, and has them activate a new SIM. And then they pop that in their phone. And then they log into your account and they've got access to your phone number, which they can reset your email. And once someone's got your email and your phone, um, you're, you're in big trouble there because they can reset everything you got unless you've set up your, your Bitcoin wallet properly. So most of the time, like I've never been hacked. I've never lost any Bitcoins. It would be, um, it would be really hard because I just, I do my security right. And you know, without like, there's the wrench attack. I don't know if you know what that is, but no, no. What is the wrench attack? That's where people just break in your house and beat you with a wrench until you give them your password. Ah, that's about it. Like, with uh, proper security, I mean, nothing. You know, who's? But that's about the only attack vector that you would have on someone that set their their account up properly. And even in some cases, you can do what's called um, sharding. So you would take those twenty four <laughs> words <laughs> and you. Uh, shard <laughs> oh. and you you divide them up into three and there's so you got what's called three of five authentication so as long as you have three of these five different 24 word seed phrases you can rebuild your wallet and then you could store those in different places like you give one to your brother one to your sister one to your mother something like that and so no matter what like if you die those people can put three of those five back together and recover your stuff to give your assets to your children or something like that but yeah, anytime there's there's a, a Bitcoin hack, it's usually the user didn't do, in almost every case, like if you've set it up properly, then you should be just fine, yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts on Bitcoin investing? Uh, I, I like it. I've been into it for about almost six years now. And as an investment, you really have to have the stomach to watch, like if, if you're one of those people that logs onto your your uh, stock brokerage account every day and looks to make sure you didn't go down overnight, it's probably not for you. You know the the price fluctuations are huge, um, where you know you can be a millionaire for a day and then not, and then back and and then not. So if if you're someone that just cannot handle any kind of then like I'm talking like fifty to seventy five percent swings in weeks sometimes. Um, I'm okay with that. You know, been doing this a long time, so it, it doesn't bother me. I think the the end game is so huge. There's so much huge potential. Like the entire Bitcoin ecosystem is not worth even what um, Starbucks is. One company on the stock exchange is more valuable than all the cryptocurrency out there. So we're at the the tiniest little beginnings of this. And even though it's been going for 11 years, it's still it's right now just starting to be mainstream. Where just two years ago, if you said, what's Bitcoin? Most people would not know what you're talking about. Four years ago, if you said, what's Bitcoin? Nobody knew what you're talking about. You know, 2017 saw that really big run up where it got onto, um, it was CNN or Fox Business, something like that. And they were actually showing people how to buy Ripple, which is a really crappy, shitty clone of Bitcoin. And um, 
so they saw everything just, you know, all of a sudden you had everybody was logging on and like uh, Coinbase is a company that was doing it and they actually crashed. The company Coinbase crashed because there's so many new users trying to onboard. And so it, it pushed the price from 9,000 to 20,000 in three weeks. And unfortunately, I mean, that was great for a lot of people. A lot of people made a lot of money, but then a lot of people bought Bitcoin at $20,000 and it's not gone back up there yet. It will. I think it, we're still about two more years away from that happening. But um, yeah, a lot of people bought in at the absolute high. I know one guy, he bought a couple Bitcoin at $20,000 and sold it a few weeks later for $13,000. Yeah. So lost a bunch of money really quick. And had he just hung on, he'd been fine now. You know, we're really close back to that right now. But so as an investment, um, if you don't have the stomach for it, I would recommend not doing it. I got into it at the beginning um, because it was, it seemed really novel and a neat little, I just, I'm kind of interested in nerdy economic stuff like that. And so the idea uh, resonated with me. And then <clears throat> I got in right when it was uh, <clears throat> run up and uh, I got really interested when, um, you know, I got a little bit of it. Someone gave me some, and then I looked at it a couple months later and it was almost tripled what it was. That's like, we we're talking was back like 60 something dollars a, a Bitcoin. And I'm like, Oh, that this is kind of cool. So then I just got really interested and started researching it. And I got into mining where I was actually mining Bitcoins and different cryptocurrencies and, um, built miners, um, made a little bit of money for a while. I would, uh, I would buy broken used mining equipment off of eBay, fix it, and then sell it back on eBay. And the, the problem with why it doesn't work up here for mining is um, our electricity in Alaska is way too expensive. You know, like here at HEA, we're paying somewhere around like 28 cents a kilowatt hour, which is way too expensive to try and mine any cryptocurrency with. Explain mining cryptocurrency. So what does what, that mean? What, what, the, the way the entire system works, um, to kind of give you like a kindergartner view of this, is there's gotta be a way for these transactions to be validated. Like as I'm sending you Bitcoin or you're sending Bitcoin, that only works if someone's validating that those coins that you're sending, one, belong to you, and two, can go to a valid address. And so what these mining machines do is they take all those transactions, like I talked about a minute ago where it was a 10 minute block, so in a 10 minute period, all the transactions are put together in a block and there's a big mathematical equation that has to happen. This is called hashing. And at the, at the end of that 10 minutes, there's a specific answer to the problem, basically. There's an answer to that, that all those blocks are, that's a riddle. And then whoever finds the answer first, there's these mining machines we're talking about. And so whoever has the correct answer first gets the block reward. And that's why you're gonna spend, like these things run really hot. Like each machine runs 2,800 watts, right? It's, it's like running an um, a, a electric dryer nonstop, each machine, right? And so what they do is they find the answer to that. And then as soon as another machine out there says, yep, he's correct, that first machine that found that answer to the riddle gets currently at 6.25 Bitcoin. So like $62,000 right now. So if you found the answer to that problem, you get $62,000 and that happens every 10 minutes. So there's, there's big incentive for these companies to 
to validate those transactions. And you could do it. You could buy one of these machines and put it in your garage and, you know. Get my part of the 62 grand. Get your part. And so, and that's just it. Like back in the old and olden days, you know, you could buy a machine and you could mine for yourself. Now it would be almost impossible. Like there would be next to not going to happen that you with one little machine is going to actually find that block. But what you do is you join a pool. So there's these pools and that's how I always did it um, with a little bit. I, I mined a couple other blockchains where I, I did it um, solo mining. But for the most part, I would aim it at a pool. So you're helping this, you're, you're in this network and the pool hands out work. So the, the transactions come in, so the pool says, okay, you guys, you find this part of it, you guys find this part. So you've got, everybody's working on a different part of that big equation and then they come up with the answer together and then you share so that, let's just say there's 10 people that are in this mining pool. There, there are thousands, yeah. but let's just say there was 10. So $62,000, we get the block. So everybody gets 6,200 bucks and deposit it into their Bitcoin wallet. And then you move on to the next one. That's just every 10 minutes over and over and over again, 24 hours a day, nonstop. So that's how the, the transactions are validated. And that's what keeps the network secure. So if you wanted to steal some Bitcoins from the network, you would have to come up with 51% so that everyone would follow your chain. So you would have to have 51% of the hashing power. And that is huge as to do a 51% attack on the Bitcoin network would cost you billions of dollars every 10 minutes. And there's no way you could do it. And that's what keeps the network secure. Okay. Now, are the majority of transactions, maybe not the majority, but are, are many of the transactions that occur on the dark web uh, done through Bitcoin? Most of them are done on Monero, which is um, similar to Bitcoin. It's not a clone or a fork of Bitcoin. It's a, it's a different algorithm. It uses something called Kryptonite, which is... Um, it's a, it's a ring transaction. The, the way Monero works and why they use that on the dark web versus Bitcoin. Because Bitcoin, you can kind of follow the money a little bit. And so if you ever like uh, use one of these third-party companies like Coinbase or Gemini, Cash App, to buy Bitcoins, at some point that was tagged to your personal account. right? They have collected your driver's license and different things like that to get your name. So they can follow the transactions on the ledger back and say, oh, like they, it's Bitcoin is pseudo anonymous, meaning when you send Bitcoin, you don't know who you're sending it to, but there is software that could trace that back and say, okay, at the beginning of this transaction, like they saw that on the dark web, it said, send your Bitcoin if you're buying this bag of heroin, right? Send Bitcoin to this address. So anybody can pull that address up and say, oh, okay. And they can follow it. So if they saw that you just bought Bitcoin and then send it straight to this, which is how they caught people, right? They didn't run it through a mixer or anything. They just bought it on Cash App, sent it to this guy on the dark web, and then the FBI knocks on your door and says, hey, we caught you. But the way Monero works and why Monero is used for, for these is because it, it validates transactions without having a, a ledger you can go back through. There's a whole bunch of crazy math to make that work that I won't even try to explain. But what it means basically is that without validating where it came from, they can tell that you did not steal those Bitcoins. So that is 100% anonymous. So if I were to send you 100 bucks worth of Monero, nobody can trace that. That's why they use that on the dark web. So Bitcoin's really not, it still is. 
and then that's where it got uh, like a real bad rap there was um, the Dread Pirate Roberts um, I remember very familiar with when that all went down no break it down for me there was a, a site called um, Silk Road okay I know about Silk Road yep and there was a, there was a guy that was running that and he was his pseudonym was Dread Pirate Roberts and uh, he was running that that website and using Bitcoin. What's funny is like uh, when they seized his Bitcoin back in the day, you know, it was worth a few million dollars, but now it's worth billions. And uh, he, he got double life sentences for this, which was actually pretty harsh in retrospect to what really happens after the fact now with any kind of uh, selling drugs or anything. But a guy that was running a website got a double life sentence for facilitating this. Now, couldn't you order hits on Silk Road? Mm. Where the hit thing came into is during his trial, um, it was alleged and never proven that he was um, trying to have uh, one of the people that turned him in killed by a hitman. But what it turned out to be is the two FBI agents that were in charge of like tracking this guy down and this part's never really talked about in the, the story. There's a movie coming out soon that would be really neat to see how they, they tell the tale. But basically, the two FBI agents that were in charge of find out who this guy is running Silk Road, they uh, stole Bitcoin from him. And it's really not talked about. So like when they whole investigation camp, they both stole what amounted to a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin and were fired and went to jail. But they never, like they almost pulled off this whole little scam in the middle of arresting this guy they also took a bunch of bitcoin and it came out in the trial and it was really kind of hushed hushed just because they slammed this guy so hard with the double life sentences but to me that was a bigger part of the whole deal was that here's the the two cops investigating him stole his his bitcoin <laughs> so then what is the what is the what is the theory Ethereum? Ethereum, yeah. Ethereum is, is it's also a cryptocurrency. They kind of call it a token um, because it, it works a little different, it, or it did in the beginning. So with Bitcoin, like I'm talking about the miners, and at the beginning of it, when they first started, every block got 50 Bitcoins, right? But back then it was worthless, right? Now it'd be 50000 or $500,000 every, every block that came out, right? But so every block that comes out, that's how the, the coin... The coins were pushed out, right? Ethereum was a little different. They came up with the algorithm. They mined them, what's called a pre-mine. So they sat there and they they changed the algorithm so that over the first 24 hours of the Ethereum network, it mined whatever, I don't know, 10 million Ethereum. And then they sold them. They sold them at an auction for Bitcoin. So you would go in and when, they, when Ethereum launched, um, so they, they ran it for 24 hours produced a million, sold those off, and then they slowed down the algorithm in the software there. So then it would spit out, I don't remember, let's say 10, 10 per block, the mining reward. But now they had a million of these, or 10 million Ethereum tokens, and so they sold them, and they raised money that way. And there's a lot of cryptocurrencies that, or I like to call them shit coins, that do that, and that, that's how they're, they're just, Ethereum is not a scam, but there's a lot of scams that that's how they operate is they mine a bunch of coins or, or on Ethereum now is a platform where you can actually just, you can make your own bill coin 
And you can go and you can print out a billion bill coins. And there's a lot of companies that do it for a legitimate purpose, tracking. Like that's a pretty neat way. Like you could have, let's say you made widgets and you wanted to track where each one of them came. You could assign a little QR code to each one of those, you know, that's tagged to a token. Um, a, a really good example, you remember Garbage Pail Kids? Yes. Okay. So there's, similar to um, Ethereum, there's a, a blockchain called Wax. And on the Wax network, they teamed up with Tops, you know, who own, like the baseball card company, also owns Garbage Pail Kids. Mm -hmm. And they have come out now with a couple different runs of virtual Garbage Pail Kids. And the way it works is really neat. So you want one of these virtual Garbage Pail Kids, they released them all and sold them. And they had limited editions. There was gold foil packs. So you would buy a pack of Garbage Pail Kids and you click the little button that would open it up and you saw the 10 cards you got. And then there was, that popped up the very next day was a secondary exchange for people to trade these things. And so you had these virtual Garbage Pail Kids that were selling for thousands of dollars the very next day. And you can tell, like you can't manufacture another one, right? I don't know if you remember there, like there was generic Chinese. They were knockoffs, yeah. Yeah. Then there, was a, then there was a movie. Yeah, oh, that's right, yeah. So there's uh, so th this is a way like you, you got, you know, you can collect your garbage pail or your baseball cards are moving over to this football cards, um, but you can't, you can't lose it. You can't steal it, they can't counterfeit it. Um, if I wanted to give it to you, you'd have to buy it from me and then, you know, it's no longer shows up in my wallet as my digital collectible. You know, it, it's a pretty neat little thing, but that, that's how, that's how they're making money when they sell tokens and uh, Ethereum was a really big platform. What happened in 2017 with part of the run up where Ethereum went from 15 or $12 to 1400, like boom, super fast, all in like a six, seven month period, um, was everybody wanted to hop on the bandwagon here of selling a a token for their new cryptocurrency project or whatever. And everybody at that time was just buying everything. And the prices just kept going up and up and up. So if you want to make, um, let's just say a thousand Bitcoin tokens, you you got to burn some Ethereum. So you got to buy them on the Ethereum network. And then to, to transfer things on Ethereum, you use what's called gas. And basically gas is a tiny little bit of Ethereum. So let's just say you have one Ethereum in your account. And underneath of that, you've got your little 100 bill tokens. So you're going to send me a bill token. That takes a little bit of gas to send it because you got to pay those miners that we we're talking about, right? They get a little piece of the transaction. It's tiny for you, you know, so you send, let's say $100 worth of Ethereum. It's going to cost you like 0.01 cents of gas, which is 0.01 Ethereum. So you send that and, and that's how the network works. So there's every transaction you do, there is a little cost to it. It's tiny. Um, but let's just say you wanted your transaction to go really fast. And that's the problem Ethereum's having right now with scaling because their network is not robust enough to handle the amount of traffic on it, uh, which is why Garbage Pail Kids decided to go with Wax because they came, they have a, a better way of doing it. Um, so there's not a high gas fee. So like if you wanted me to send you my Garbage Pail Kid right now, that might cost five bucks on Ethereum to send it right now. If you want to send it and you're going to get it in the next... 16 to 24 hours it could be you know a fraction of a penny but that's how it works like if you want to send your transaction before anybody else you can pay for that that's a it's a feature you could pay for and sometimes that's worth it like you got guys that'll um 
I don't know if you've ever done a wire transfer, but... Yeah, where it's, you know, it's X amount if you are willing to wait 24 hours mm-hmm. or in the next two minutes. You know, right, it's, so it's, substantially it's more, yeah. $35 if you need it in 24 hours, and it's 75 bucks if you need it right now, right? Similar on Bitcoin, except we're talking huge amounts of money. Like, a, a, nobody knows who it is, but somebody moved a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin last summer. A billion dollars, and they moved it for like nine or ten cents. Just move it from one wallet to another. Like that's a, a neat business case right there. And you do have there's a couple countries that are settling oil futures right now, and obviously cost too much money to transfer oil back and forth. So what they're doing is they're just using Bitcoin to do that transfer. I thought that was a like a, a real neat um, projection of what's going to happen. You know, you've got countries that are they're realizing like, hey, why are we using U.S. dollars even to move money back and forth we can do it virtually for free right now and i can tell you didn't cheat me and they also know that the u.s government's printing you know seven trillion dollars worth of debt a year which pushes that that's a neat thing i'd like to bring up about bitcoin in the end you hear 2143 when all the bitcoin have been mined there'll be 21 million total that's it can't make any more whereas like the u.s dollars they can keep cranking them out like we just saw right yeah Print that, print, 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 but you cannot do that on Bitcoin. So, um, so if we're looking at, if we're looking at devaluation of the dollar, right? We're looking at economic collapse. Then getting into Bitcoin might be your best option. It's at least a very decent hedge, and I would liken it to gold, um, because you know we know that for seventy-five years of gold gold production, we know what that figure is. It, it it's a pretty static number. They mine, they come up with a little bit more efficient ways to mine. So they're getting more and more gold every year, but not much. It's been pretty much the same number for about 75 years of producing gold, which is very similar to how the Bitcoin is introduced. And just like you can't just, hey, go mine more gold. You just can't do it, right? We know how much is coming out per year. And that's what keeps the, the amount of gold, the, the value of it pretty reasonable. Now, with Bitcoin, it's real similar. You know they can't make more. We're, so there's a lot of people that call it digital gold even. And I kind of like that. that. That works for me for a good way to explain it. Why, why do I want Bitcoin? Well, because they can't make more. Well, it's not backed up by anything. Well, that's not true. Like the U.S. dollar is literally not backed up by anything, right? It's backed up in the faith that the government can keep printing it is about it. Whereas Bitcoin is backed up by a massive amount of electricity that is burned daily. You know, millions and millions of dollars worth of electricity is burned daily to validate that network. It costs you money to run a Bitcoin node, and that's what gives it its value. So, like, uh, real recently, somewhere around May fifteenth, the Bitcoin reward I was just talking about, like right now it's twelve, or right now it's six point seven five. Well, it was twelve and a half bitcoins, and so every two years that number gets cut in half, and so all the miners now all of a sudden. Starting in May, they made half the money they did before that. And so you had some people that just turned their machines off. Some people think that that's going to cause that value to keep coming up. And it, so far, it's, it's been doing it. Like, you know, if you were to back out that really weird six-month push, um, Bitcoin's never gone down in value over a two-year period, minus that one little blip, which I, I think fast forward like three or four years when Bitcoin's quarter million dollars a piece, you, know, you won't even notice that that little blip it'll but the 
the graph is just a giant spike up over the last 11 years. So it didn't, it hasn't flattened the curve yet. No, no, and we're we're a long ways away from that because it, the the network is is so small. I mean, Bitcoin, all of all the Bitcoin out there are worth somewhere around a hundred hundred billion dollars right now. That's it, which is nothing. You know, you got trillion dollar companies on the Nasdaq, so we're tiny. But there's a lot. Of, everyone's like, oh no, it's too late to get into Bitcoin. No, it's not. Right now is the perfect time to buy Bitcoin, especially with the U.S. government printing so much money. Yeah. You should buy some gold, you should buy some silver. Not paper silver, like actual silver and gold coins or bars or something like, like that. Like the kind you can you can kill werewolves with. Exactly. Yep, don't don't buy paper in your account, you know, because that's like every ounce of gold that there is in the world, it's actually seventy something times more than that has been sold on paper. So people are like, Oh no, I got, you know, fifteen gold bricks in in my account, well, you really don't. You have a piece of paper saying you get 15 gold bricks, but like a, a normal run on a bank, you know, if there was ever a run on a gold institution, they would empty out of gold really fast because it's been sold many times over. And that's one neat thing that they can't do with Bitcoin that Wall Street is trying to figure out how to do. Because currently, if you own a Bitcoin, you own a Bitcoin, right? That is in your account or in your wallet, and you know you own it. Well, what uh, Wall Street wants to do is something called rehypothecation. They want to they want to have uh, a Bitcoin wallet that you know whatever J.P. Morgan owns, and then they want to be able to sell that to their investors, and they're allowed to do that multiple times. And I think the number is ten. They can sell for every one dollar they have in there, they can sell that or lend it out ten times. That's how our whole financial system works. It's a debt-based system. So if a bank has $100,000, they're allowed to loan that $100,000 out 10 times. So they want to do the same thing with Bitcoin. And hopefully that never comes to fruition because I think that'll drive the value down. Just like with gold. You know, when they're allowed to sell gold 73 times for every ounce they have, they can sell 73 ounces. You know, it keeps the value down. If they were only allowed to sell the one that they actually had, the value would be skyrocketing. But that's how they they force that number down. So, the U.S. dollar used to have, used to be based on like a gold standard. Yeah. Um, is there anything backing up Bitcoin? Like just just the burning of electricity. So, with with the exception of how much it costs to run a node, no. How much? Uh, well, how much energy does it burn? Uh, I think it burns as much as like the country of Luxembourg. To keep the network going. By the way, beautiful country. Highly yeah. recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> Never been. So in, uh, I was stationed in Spangdahlen, Germany, and we're maybe thirty minutes from Luxembourg. They actually have a an English theater in Luxembourg. I think it's called the Acropolis, but that's where you would go see the movies that were like just released. Uh, that's where I went and saw um, uh, Inglorious Bastards. Oh. Yeah, I was the only person laughing in that theater. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people were there. They were like, oh, yeah, we're going to see the new Tarantino movie. And I'm laughing my balls off. And these people were genuinely offended by, by my laughter. Like, oh, my God, he's hitting his head with a baseball bat. I'm laughing my balls off. I'm like, hey. Business is good. <laughs> Get a hundred Nazi scalps. Bonjour. Great movie, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
But yeah, Luxembourg, great place. Yeah, great place. So I, I think that's the example that's been used. And so there's a lot of uh, small country though. Small Very country. small country. Yeah, but it does cost a lot of electricity to run the network, and that. But that's what gives it value. Is that it? It does cost. Like you can't have like the U.S. dollar, and, and actually every dollar on the planet right now um, is not backed up by anything. They're all fiat currencies. When what a fiat currency is money by decree. So the U.S. government says, here's seven trillion more dollars into the into the ecosystem. Here's seven trillion dollars. Does not backed up by anything other than the amount Though of Though we say it is. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas with Bitcoin's a lot different. You know that there's like right now there's about seventeen million Bitcoin. And actually there's a, a chunk less than that. They estimate three to five million of those have been lost for forever. So because they can see that like oh hey there's all these bitcoins that have never moved and they attribute a lot of that to early miners that were just playing around with it you know and you you heard the like i don't know if you're watching the show silicon valley but they they talk about there's a guy a character on there and he lost a flash drive that is made put in the in the trash that had a hundred million dollars worth of bitcoin on it you know because that's sort of a similar or true story um, but there's yeah a lot of early bitcoins that were lost, and so there might be like 12 million actually in circulation. That's another thing that pushes the price up and down. It doesn't take much at all um, to push that because it's such a small supply. That's not I mean, 12 million bitcoin. So even here, here's an interesting little tidbit: if every millionaire in America wanted to go buy one Bitcoin today, they could not do it. There's not that many to go around. So that's another big reason. Like it could just go up and up and up and up and up. There's a very small supply. But the, the guy that um, came up with Bitcoin, uh, he did a really ingenious thing when he started it. Each Bitcoin is divisible to the eighth decimal place. So you're talking currently a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a penny, you know, and I, I could send you point zero 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 one of a Bitcoin right now, you know, so there's, there's so much room to grow without having to worry about, you know, like a lot of people like, oh, $10,000 for Bitcoin. I'm going to go buy this other cryptocurrency like Ripple, you know, because it's only 33 cents. So they think, oh, I'll buy this at 33 cents because it could go to 10,000 and oh my God, I'll make so much money. It sounds like a gamble to buy the, uh, the cryptocurrency that was named after uh, Fred Sanford's favorite drink. <laughs> the, well, Ripple, and I'd like to talk about that really quick. Ripple, I don't even want to call it a cryptocurrency. It's not blockchain. It sort of uses a ledger, but it's owned by a company and they can reverse your transactions. I mean... It really, their whole idea was trying to sell this to governments and banks to settle funds easier than they, they do with the SWIFT network. But a lot of people bought Ripple. Some people made some money because it did go up to three bucks. You know, currently it's right around like 25 cents. And, but it, it's everything Bitcoin's not. You know, it's owned by a company. You can't run your own node. It's, they can reverse transactions. They can tell the government what you've been doing. It, the whole thing sucks. Don't buy Ripple. If anybody, everyone asks me all the time, like, oh, what, what do you think? Should I buy this, you know, ninja coin or whatever? No. What you should do until you have at least a few Bitcoin is just buy Bitcoin. And unless you're really, 
really want to just play the game, you can, and I don't do that. I don't encourage people to because it's just so volatile and nothing, there is no reason for it most of the time other than the supply is so small, all it takes is, and I've done this myself, right? Just as a, te a test to see if I myself could push the price of smaller cryptocurrencies up and I could. Just little old me, you know? So stay away from everything but Bitcoin and until you either know what you're doing or have a, a nice little chunk of Bitcoin and then go from there. There's no reason to build a portfolio of all these other coins. I, I would like to get to some of the specific questions that um, I was asked to ask you. Um, really cool thing uh, about some of the listeners. Um, ah, so uh, from uh, Coach Curtis Hembroff. Ah. Yeah. Is Bitcoin the devil? Nope. Okay. Uh, will you get a digital wallet microchip implant? Never. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts on geomining platforms like Coin? Okay. First of all, what a geomining platform is, is you're going to trade your GPS data on your daily routine to a company for their own coin, which you can then convert to products and or you can convert it to Bitcoin. And so real quick, what, they, what that company is doing is you put this little device in your car and then you also, you run this app on your phone and you have to run it 24 seven to get any amount of these coins. And so they're just collecting your location data, where you go, where you shop, probably what you buy, um, how much money you spend, and you're selling it to this company for their shitty little coin which then you can convert to Bitcoin and um, you, they talk like right on the website, they talk about like one user made $2,000 in a month. It might be, and it even says this is an extreme case, you know, so you might be able to make, you know, 10 to $50 a month, but you're giving up. All of your data, all, all of your, your information, yeah. where you're going, what you're doing. So when they say mining, you're not mining cryptocurrency in the, with geo mining. What you're doing is you're selling your daily routine to a company for their own little shit coin. And they're selling it to whoever. And they're, or they're doing it whatever it is that they're going to do. Yep. They're all, oh, no, they're absolutely selling that to people <laughs> for marketing purposes. Okay. What are your thoughts on PyCoin? PyCoin is a, another tiny little shit coin that is not really even in use anymore. Their website's defunct. Their, their block explorer is been out of service for years. It's, it's, it's a, it was a little coin that somebody tried to, a scam coin someone tried to buy and sell and it has since been dead. Um, one of the things that I was sent is, uh, it seems to be about cryptocurrency system using body activity data. Uh, that sounds a little bit like coin, but very specific. No, th this was a little different. So what they were trying to do is you, and actually I think that was, Microsoft has got a, some skin in the game on that. And what they're trying to do is, um, it's similar to like a Fitbit. Okay. So you'd, ha you'd have some sort of a little device that you would wear and the movement of that, they're trying to get away from burning so much electricity, right? Okay. So somehow the movement of that is going to be part of the blockchain and that's how they're going to validate transactions using something other than generated electricity. It's, it's a neat idea, but we're probably 10 plus years away from that. That's, there's a lot of innovation around 
the different things you can do with blockchain technology. And that that's what's neat to watch there is, you know, big companies like Microsoft, they're going to... That one is specifically, um, it looks like the application was uh, put in through uh, through Microsoft. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the inventors, Dustin Abramson, Derek Fu, and Joseph Edwin Johnson Jr. are the... Uh, the inventors. So they're they're probably I don't know too much about. It, but they're probably trying to solve the energy problem, and I don't think the energy pr production for Bitcoin is even a problem. That's that's one of the things that gives the network validity. But like uh, there's something they're moving to proof of stake, like on Ethereum. They've been trying for years. They haven't been able to figure out. So there's proof of work, which is what Bitcoin is, where you're proving that you did this hash function with this machine, right? You prove that this is the network. Where with um, Ethereum and some other tokens, they're doing what's called proof of stake, which means you buy 100 Ethereum and you run that in your wallet and now you are the node validator. So you get a little bit of Ethereum for every transaction that you validate because, but that's kind of a rich man game. You Like right now you could go buy a Bitcoin mining machine and boom, you're up and working, you know, for 1500 bucks. Whereas if you want to be a, uh, a node validator on Ethereum, you're going to spend thousands and you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of Ethereum. So you have to have that much Ethereum before you can be a validator on the network. And so what that's going to do is going to kind of push all the to you know early pioneers of this stuff and or giant corporations that can that can do it, and it'll take the the little mom and pop guy out of it, which is one of the best things I think about the Bitcoin network. So are we going to see? Um a time soon where you can go onto Amazon and you can pay for something with fractions of a Bitcoin. You can you can technically do that now because there's a few companies out there that tie a debit card to a Bitcoin wallet. I've got a couple different ones I use. Um, Crypto.com is my favorite one. And so you swipe your card and it just runs it out of your Bitcoin wallet. So technically you can buy that and you can do that now. But yes, I think real soon the the problem with amazon they'll be one of the last people to do it because jeff bezos has come out against it probably because he has the most billions of real world dollars and doesn't want those more devalued and bitcoin can devalue the us dollar because it's it's backed up by something and you can't print more um so i don't think we'll see it on amazon probably for five or six years until he'll be one of the last ones to He's going to fight it, I think, but you, there's a lot of companies out there that currently take it, you know, and, um, for, I, I started taking it with, um, I used, uh, not Squ yeah, Square and, um, uh, QuickBooks, but I have a, a company that, uh, firearms manufacturing selling and they came out and they said, oh, you're, they canceled me. QuickBooks did and Square. They said, you're a firearms dealer. You cannot we're canceling your credit card membership. And the, like they censored my transactions because they didn't like what I'm selling, right? Which is a legitimate business, you know, in the US, have a license for it, but they said, no, we're not gonna allow you to use credit card processing. And uh, so then I used Bitcoin for that. So if you wanna buy a, a firearm, you just send me Bitcoin, and then I hand you your firearm after we do your federal firearms paperwork. So if um, if I wanted to buy an Uzi from you, I could do it through Bitcoin with with the use of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I encourage you. It's America. Murky. 
Now, do they have anything resembling like a 203, like like a grenade launcher that you could throw? Yeah, on they get, you can get one, but instead of a 40 mic mic, it's 37 mic mic, and it shoots uh, flares. Ooh. Yeah. And I can attach that to the bottom of my Uzi. I like it. Uh huh. I get an Uzi with a rail system, and I like lots of fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. You can boop, three, boop, you boop. can 3D print that right now. Yeah, I show there was a guy a few years ago. Yeah, he got in a lot of trouble because he was released. He put out the Cody uh, Wilson. He well, he started getting a little trouble, and um, the government really went after him. In the end, he won his court case and everything, but then he disappeared because something about a fifteen-year-old in his hotel room. Oh yeah, that'll do it for you. Yeah. So Defense Distributed is the name of his company. He started, and that's still run. And they've, some other guys have moved on. And actually, that really does tie into Bitcoin because it's something similar where once the plans for something are out on the Internet, like the, that gun he came up and what he did back then was the Liberator. And it was this tiny little single shot pistol that you could print out. And it was like a 10 shot, a single shot, but like 10 uses and it would break. Well, now what you've got is there's a whole movement behind that. And you buy a $250 3D printer and you can print out everything but the upper slide. You can make a Glock in about six hours, everything. And then you just buy the upper right off the internet. So the, the, you can't put the cat back in the bag, so to speak at this point, you know, they, you're, the technology's out there. You can't stop it. Just like Bitcoin, 3D printing. And I think those are going to be some world changing deals right there because let's just say you live, um, in Oregon where you know high capacity magazines and firearms are not allowed you could print one out in your on your kitchen table right and pay for it with uh, Monero completely untraceable no one's ever gonna know and so I, I think that we're gonna see the laws start to change around you've you've seen the Democrats have already tried to uh, ban ghost guns many times and that's what they're talking about is these 3d printed guns which is Absolutely, 100% legal in almost every place. You are allowed to manufacture your own firearm. You can just never sell it. You would need a federal firearms license to do that. But anybody, I can speak to Alaska law, anybody up here can print out their own gun unless you're a felon in your kitchen and nothing wrong with that. There's no serial number on it. You're well within your, your rights to do that, to carry it. In Alaska, you can carry it concealed. You can print your own gun in Alaska and carry it around in your pocket. You know, 100% legal. And so, yeah, what Cody Wilson started has now become a huge movement. He, kind of rightfully so, should quietly just go away. And that's what he's done. Um, but what, what, he's, what he started is going to continue on. And it just, it literally gets better and better. I, I follow a couple of these different groups. And um, they do, uh, they've got these um, blockchain libraries that they run so we talked about the blockchain being immutable like you can't go back and edit or delete it right mm -hmm. so these guys are taking the plans for these different they've got ak-47s m4s i mean you name it they're these guys are designing and building the blueprints for these things that you can download and then print out and then they're putting it on the blockchain so it's forever out there you cannot edit it governments can't shut it down like that information is on the web forever you cannot shut it down. Even if they shut down the internet, you can get to it from a satellite link. The, this company called Blockchain, they launched their own damn satellite. So the Bitcoin blockchain is up in space, being transmitted 24 seven down to earth. So I mean, you, you literally, you'd have to also get rid of a satellite in space 
It's running on every continent and you can put data on it like these guys are doing with blueprints for firearms the government doesn't want you to have. America! Yeah. So what do you think is the future of blockchain? Where does it go from here? Um, if you can print up your, if you can print your gun on the internet, what's next? Uh, one thing they really like using it for, um, and there's some big companies, um, they're using it for tracking uh, products. Because you know like, okay, this, this carton of lettuce, right? So if they need to come back and do a recall, they know that, oh, hey, yeah, we, uh, we shipped out that carton and that went to this, and that could never be edited. You know, you couldn't have a nefarious business owner get in there and edit that. You know, it's like, no, that case of lettuce actually came from this plant right here and it shipped on this day and it, it's immutable. Can't come back and say, nope, that never happened. No, it did and it's right here. So I think it'll be used for that. Um, I think there's a good chance that it could be used for voting. So you have your, we just use Bitcoin as a good example. You have your Bitcoin wallet address and you don't have to actually do a transaction, but you can sign that you are the owner. So we know that this is Bill's Bitcoin address, and you could do the same thing. This is Bill's voter ID number. And so you could vote anonymously, or I'm sorry, not anonymously, you could vote on the internet though, like in our next local election, right? They're talking about doing this mail ballot thing, which is just ripe for voter fraud. But now- No. Yeah. No. You, I, listen, I, I don't believe for a second a, that uh, Representative Tyson Cox uh, would present such a shitty idea and then stand behind such a shitty idea. Um, oh, wait, no, no, take that back. He was the annexation guy. So he's got a history of shitty ideas. Yeah. Um, but enough about Cox. Yeah, so imagine, though, that if you had a number that absolutely was tied to you and nobody else... They didn't have access to that wallet, which you're not going to give access to anybody else, could vote for you. So they can tell you, oh, hey, yeah, yep, we got, you know how you sign your little line when you vote now? You could do the same thing with your cryptocurrency signature, proving that that was you, and you could vote on online. And that would be saved forever. They wouldn't, they wouldn't know who you voted for, but they would know that, yes, you voted. And so I think that's kind of the future of voting right there. And that would really stem a lot of the fraud you see is that something that concerns you voter, voter fraud? fraud yeah oh yeah it's it's huge it's absolutely huge you get i mean every year they talk about how many dead democrats um seem to get their vote in well even this year um with the stimulus checks there were billions of dollars worth of stimulus checks that were sent out to dead people mm -hmm. so if this is the same group of people that's going to be sending out uh the, the postcards for voting you have to be a little bit concerned. You have to really wonder, you know, okay, so did Charlie Pierce's grandmother really vote against him? Probably not, because I don't think his grandmother's with us anymore. Um, but according to this paper, uh, she did. It was sort of like um, Black Sheep, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's like, uh, my grandfather, da-da-da-da-da, I voted for you. Um, well, we, we thank him. Well, he's been dead since, you know, 1855. So, right. you know, um, that's just kind of where we are. And, and I, I do agree with you that I think that mail-in uh, mail ballots is, is ripe for fraud. And it, it concerns me locally uh, for a couple of different reasons. One is my understanding is that in 2014, because I wasn't up here when they, maybe I was up here when they voted on it. I don't remember voting on it personally. 
um, was the, the community largely voted against uh, mail-in ballots and mail-in elections. Um, and then this year, the idea was presented uh, to the assembly, um, and it wasn't very popular among the, uh, the, the voters in the area, amongst the constituents here. The, the people who were affected by annexation were largely against it. I don't know if you ever went to any of the annexation. I, I, yeah, I did. I went to, to one kind of early on there because they had right down my street. And it was kind of weird how the end of my road jogs just a little bit. That line skipped starting at my house. So we weren't, so there's three houses that weren't in the line. And uh, I was one of the three houses. But I showed up anyway just to, we had like probably seven or eight of us from the neighborhood show up to just say, hey, I have absolutely no reason to help. Don't want to be in Soldatna. That's why I bought outside of Soldatna. Don't uh, don't annex me. And that was a packed house. Like, and there was not one person that showed up there that said this is a great idea. It was one after another after another. But they keep trying. But I think that vote a mail-in voting is, is ripe for fraud. And the same folks that are arguing for uh, mail-in ballots are still um, because they, well, some will say. Well, we have we're living in a time of pandemic, right? But this they won't be voting in mail election mail in elections in this particular this upcoming election. Um, they're they're talking about further elections down the road. So stacking the deck for something that you might not be in office to benefit from uh, seems even more shady. So anyway, yeah, blockchain, yeah, blockchain. We, we can fix voter we, fraud. Yeah, I, I I like that idea. I like the idea of of being able to vote via app. Um, I think that that's that can probably just as just as likely be hacked, but you're you're not going to be sending your text messages out to dead people. You're not going to be who who have a um, a blockchain wallet right. set up uh, for voting, something that's been authenticated. Um, well, it can be just like I don't know if you bought your fishing license, but this year they've kind of pushed everybody to online only, right? And you can validate with a digital signature that that's you. And you know, correspond it to your own email, and there's umpteen different ways you can do this, and uh, and do it way better than mailing out ballots, right? When you got that one, it was a little trailer house in it, um, Anchorage, the home of one of the uh, community organizers for the the last election, and he had 37 registered voters at his you know single wide trailer house, and when they investigated that. There's nobody that lived there other than him, right? So those kind of problems will go away. You know, I mean, you're probably still always going to have some kind of voter fraud, but something that was immutable um, and, you know, backed up by solid crypto is not going to be as easily as a mail-in ballot. Well, I dig it. I dig it. Um, so if people are interested in, uh, in getting with you and learning about Bitcoin, how do they do that? Uh, you can send me, uh, I'm on Facebook or Instagram. I get a lot of, uh, a lot of Facebook messages all the time. Um, the, like, um, Hey, what's the easiest way to buy Bitcoin? And I don't necessarily like the company, but they are making it really simple to buy Bitcoin and you can do it in five or six minutes you can get some Bitcoin and so the first thing you want to do is um, get the cash app and just download it from the app store and then you can you just link your debit card to it and then you can just buy it's kind of expensive they charge I think 
four or five percent, but that's the easiest way to get started. And uh, when this fall, as we get you know past summer and fishing and all that, we're um, and maybe the COVID dies down a little bit. We're talking about having a, like a Bitcoin meetup, pick a local coffee shop or somewhere in town, and do a little presentation. You can show up, and I can I'm gonna teach people how to actually get a real Bitcoin wallet, something like Samurai wallet, you know, and back up your seed phrase, how to store it properly, um, that kind of stuff. And so we're, we're talking about doing that sometime in probably after moose season, October or something like that. Get everybody that's interested and, you know, show up. But um, yeah, I get quite a bit of um, people on Facebook message me like, hey, I saw you uh, talking about this. How do I learn more? But so if you if you're really interested, what you do is get the Cash App, buy yourself fifty bucks worth of Bitcoin, and then go to uh, get the blockchain um, dot info. Go to blockchain dot info and download their wallet. That's a really good high security wallet. And then transfer your Bitcoin you just bought on Cash App over to that, and then just kind of learn about it. And then if there's a company that is accepting Bitcoin, you know, like. Um, I own a couple companies and all of them accept Bitcoin. And so I would encourage everybody, you know, the places in town that do accept it, that use that as your payment method. That only helps the, the ecosystem grow more and more if, if you use it. You know, like I offer a 20% discount for, with my satellite phone business. If you want to rent or buy a satellite phone, I'll give you 20% off if you use Bitcoin. I do that for a reason. Like I'm almost doing it at cost, but just to get more people... Like I, I brought a lot of people into Bitcoin just for, oh, 20%, yeah, how do I do this? So I'll kind of sit down and show them how to do it. It doesn't take long. And then I've had those people like, hey, man, this is pretty cool. Now I'm, you know, a couple years later, like, hey, I still got that. I've been using it. And it is a superior way to store your wealth than putting them in dollars, which literally just go down in value every year more and more. At least 6% a year is between inflation and hidden inflation, you, your dollars lose 6% a year, no matter what. And I think Bitcoin's got nothing but upside at this point. And there's no stopping it, right? It's It just gets bigger and bigger. And the value right now has been kind of stagnant for about a year, but it just, the ecosystem is getting bigger and bigger. More and more stuff's happening. Um, Twitter hired six different people to, they are all Bitcoin programmers. And they're just working, not even on integrating it right now into Twitter. They're just working on the Bitcoin core itself, right? So you got huge companies that are are waking up like, hey, I'm tired of putting all my my dollars into something that just disappears six percent a year. Let's let's do something with this. You can you know back the banks out. You're not going to pay Visa four or five percent to do your credit card processing. You know you can do it peer to peer instantly, almost for free. No bank needed. No government needed. So yeah, it's it's gonna keep coming. Send me a message on Facebook if you want uh, to learn more. You want to plug your other companies? Uh, yeah, I'll plug. Uh, yeah, Kenai Satellite Phone, which we it's getting towards moose season. Yeah, if you're you gonna go out and hunt some moose. Yeah, if you're gonna go out, if you need something to do, texting or email or you know, voice, you know, sat phones, email communicators, that kind of stuff. One of the uh, one of our previous conversations, I don't think it was on the last podcast. You talked about um, 
your satellite phones actually being used, that being a, a necessity in, in a life-saving event. Yeah. Talk about that real quick. Yeah, so I've, I've had a couple different times now. We had a guy that uh, sunk his boat down in uh, Prince William Sound, and my kids come with a little Pelican case, so they're actually sitting there bobbing around, floating Pelican case, and they open it up, use the phone to call the, uh, the Coast Guard, who flew out with one of those uh, Jayhawk helicopters and rescued these guys. Then I've had some guys that were up in the Caribou Hills got stuck in a storm up in the high country, and they were able to call for a rescue and have some some guys go out there and get them out before they, they die. So it's, um, for the 80 bucks a week that it costs you, I mean, it's really good insurance to have have something. Even if you just have it in your snow machine bag or your deer bag, your hunting bag or whatever. I mean, a lot of people like to check in every night. Um, I've got these little devices that you can send your location. So if something did happen, you can press one button on it and it will notify the Air Force and the PJs will come get you that, hey, we have a critical injury right here, broken leg, whatever it is. And yeah, you'll have the PJs fly out there to rescue you. Guys with the green feet. Exactly. All right, uh, Curtis, man, thank you so much for your time. Anything else that you want to plug before we? we... Uh, no, it's just it's yeah, it's hunting season, so I fill up really fast in September. If you don't already have your rental in, uh, send me an email right now, keenisaphone.com. It's just like a one-click uh, right there on the homepage there if you need to rent, and I'll give you twenty percent off if you uh, pay with Bitcoin. All right. If you don't know how to do that, send me an email, and I'll uh, teach you how to do it. You're like lining them up. Yeah. You're like you're. You're teaching a man to fish. By the way, thank you very much for taking me uh, out to fish uh, last weekend. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I, so the, the the dock down there went cashless, right? Yeah. So I would like to talk to the, the city mayor about uh, accepting Bitcoin down there. Then you're not even having people put your their dirty credit cards into that machine right there, spreading dirty, the corona. Dirty, dirty, so dirty. So instead of that, they would have a QR code right up there scan right and you'd literally just scan it touchless and you could pay with bitcoin right there and uh we'll save the environment and stop spreading corona around the dock stop the rona stop the rona fight the rona um yeah and check out alaska red's new music and stuff every day new single newest single came out on april 20th however still is newest single nonetheless video is out give it a listen uh give it a watch give it a whirl and uh, thank you very much. By the way, 10th Planet Soldatna, uh, located in Soldatna at the All-American Training Center. Classes, Classes. 7 to uh, seven to 9-ish, Monday through Thursday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've got an awesome kids program going on. Yeah, it goes, yeah. goes concurrent, coached yep. by Coach Priscilla. Yeah. Yeah. Your little kids can be over on the one side and uh, all of us adults on the other side playing uh, murder yoga. Yeah, it's a good time to be had by all. All right, uh, Curtis, thank you very, very much for your time. Thank you very much for your energy. If there's anything else you want to plug, great. If not... No, absolutely. Yeah, plug uh, Kenai Sat Phone and uh, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu, AK-49 Martial Arts. Um, yeah, that's all my favorite things right there. Yay! All right, man. Thank you so much. As per 3AAC 306.360, Alaska Marijuana Control Board Cannabis Use Warning A. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. B. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. 
C. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. D. For use by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. And E. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding.